don't know what to do with my hands. Thank you, everyone that's joining us right now. Hopefully you can hear us. Uh, we're here at Music Town. Um, we are really happy to have Miles Morgan. Real quick, we do one more technical check. Are we good to go? Oh, awesome. Thank you. Okay, good. Now we can start for real. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, this is Anti-Gravity Detroit, where we talk about black business and uh, societal uh, issues, personal um, uh, struggles, uh, external things that you hear about all the time. I've got with me Miles Morgan of Mind Blown Life Coaching. And today we're talking about black entrepreneurship and mental health. So that's a serious thing because both those things, a lot of times people think they can't exist together. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> you can't be successful and happy at the same time. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's mentally stable, and everybody's a little, little unstable here and there. Yeah, and I'll, I'll get into, um, uh, and into my story a little bit, and in, 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 in just a moment. I didn't say my name. Apologize. My name is Aubrey Ag. For those of you who don't know, but on Facebook, you, you got to be my friend, I think, to watch. Uh, so I, I'm just feel really fortunate to be able to bring these topics forward. Just mm -hmm. a little brief uh, history of of why we're doing this is I ran a program uh, that helped entrepreneurs start their companies uh, for the last eight years. And I saw, I saw a lot of black entrepreneurs come through the program and I saw struggles that were different with them. Uh, a lot of times it was fear of, of uh, success or fear of failure uh, or, or just um, imposter syndrome, which is a, is a combination of the two actually. Uh, and they just struggled, just struggled just to, just to uh, execute. And I saw a lot of people who were not African-American um, didn't necessarily have the same level of anxiety. And so I think that's, and that's a definite reason why we asked Miles to be here today is because anxiety is so huge. And it's like one oh, of the, man. yeah, it's one of the biggest things that, that it keeps people from doing what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. just another little caveat history too is that growing up as a child, I saw my dad have his own business. He made me work for him at age five. And I thought he passed. I was 22. Mm -hmm. And I was an architecture firm. And I saw him, I saw him do uh, great things with training people on how to in the architectural field. Uh, not mo most of them did not become architects, um, but he grabbed people off the street and he taught them how to be professional. And a lot of them got into architectural related um, fields. Mm -hmm. uh, and I saw him uh, have the utmost confidence in himself and in people. And I still saw like struggles, and I didn't know what it was. And I, and, it, and a lot of it had to do with bias. He was loved by many. He was in a city planning commission. Uh, he was uh, he was the man, but still he didn't get like big jobs here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in foreign countries that were black, you know, predominantly Af of African descent, he got hotels and hospitals, right? But here he got churches and schools and and maybe an annex to to a building. Mm -hmm. uh, so that always I didn't ever comprehend exactly why that was the case as a child. And I I was really like frustrated with that. I was like, why is he not? You know, at first I thought it was him. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I saw the anxiety that he had, uh, you know, of, of keeping that level of, of positivity in this company for his people. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, and I saw how he, he took work home. He never, he's never left work, actually. So, 
So, all right, that's that's my little caveat, my little story. Uh, Miles, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Yes. Oh, well, the first thing, as you were talking, and you were talking about how serious anxiety was, mm-hmm. like, is for people, mm-hmm. just triggered in my head. So we talked earlier, and it was kind of like preparation. And one thing that I didn't even recall or like share when we were talking earlier is that I have dealt with anxiety for damn near my whole life. Yeah. Had no idea that's what it was, you know, for most of my life. And it really hit a peak at right at the beginning of my entrepreneurial journey to the point where it was like chronic generalized anxiety. It didn't get to the point where Mm -hmm. I was like incapacitated or Mm -hmm. it was it wasn't actually to the level of being a disorder where it it like shut me down. Um, When did your when did your journey begin as an entrepreneur? Oh, yeah. So let me go back. (laughs) Let me rewind a little bit. So, um, yeah. So uh, my entrepreneurial journey started in 2014. Um, you know, let me think about the the most simple way to say this. Basically, I realized, you know, shortly after college, I was being a consumer in Detroit. And mm-hmm. I said, I don't want to just be a consumer. I want to mm-hmm. be a producer. Um, I want to actually create and contribute. Um, I actually got Tech Town has a program, which I, is highly, I highly recommend. It's an a entrepreneurship training program. Got into that. Started yep. a company. D- DTX. Yep, DTX. DTX, um, yep. Uh, I started a company with two of my closest friends, mm-hmm. now business partners. Um, yep, I got my master's degree in counseling psychology from Wayne State. Uh, yeah, I graduated with that in 2017 and actually then started my journey as a life coach. Right. Yeah. Right. So when you started your entrepreneurial journey, what was what was the desire to start it? I know you said you didn't want to be consuming a producer, but mm-hmm. like there was something mm-hmm. that happened that made you say, we want to start this kind of company. Yeah, well, for me, it was I was working <laughs> in education, and I realized that the way that the system was set up, you can't fix. It's kind of like the analogy. Which which school? Uh, I was working at Cody High School. Yep, in Detroit. Um, yep, I was a college advisor, and I just saw, you know, how fucked up shit was, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and like being like I had a passion to like impact kids' lives, and I realized like working from within a system is just ineffective. You know, just because it's a system and yeah. systems work to maintain homeostasis. Yeah, and homeostasis and, in the city of Detroit. And like Cody was like, how, how many kids boy, went to college? Boy. How many kids went to college? Um, like percentage wise, just off the cuff. Okay, Back this then. is, I mean, it's an interesting statistic. So let's say we would have 95% college acceptance. I'm throwing up the scare quotes for people who are listening. Mm-hmm. Um, but how many kids actually went and were actually successful, I could not even tell you. Right. It's a very low percentage, yeah. to be honest, because kids just weren't equipped. So um, my first business that I started uh, with my partners was uh, uh, social um, impact uh, technology business. It was called ProUp. The product still is, exists. There are students who are using it and who are being impacted. What it does, it matches high school students to uh, opportunities, whether it be like career, yeah. um, learning opportunities, internships, whatever. And it does so based on their interests. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that was basically my friends and I were like, we have to build something that works you know, yep. better that can, that's scalable, that can impact more kids. Right. Because yeah. you guys saw, and I've seen you guys, so that was one of the mentors in, yep. the, in that program yep. back in 2014. You guys saw that there was a lot of students who just didn't 
no, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what path to take. Yeah, I had no idea. And I remember seeing your your videos, like it like showed like hundreds of little little people, and like only four people knew what they wanted mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and you guys, uh, you know, so you guys were close. You guys were next to the the problem. You guys were dealing with the problem directly. Yep. And and, and everybody loved what you guys were doing. Because I mean, you had you had a true purpose. You saw a true problem, mm-hmm. and you wanted to solve it. And mm-hmm. lots of people have seen that problem in the city of Detroit for the last like thirty years, yep. right? Yep. Where it's just not enough exposure of opportunities to the kids that are there, and they're not, and also uh, they they're not necessarily equipped the best yep. to go after them. Yep. Doesn't say yep. anything about their intelligence. Yep. And so this absence of opportunity, lack of opportunity. Right. Yeah. And so you guys are on this mission. And and you guys were pitching, and you guys sound great. Yeah. And and you, uh, you all sound great, yeah. but but your your front woman, she was she was killing it. Yeah. She pitches. is a beast. She yes, is she, a beast. Yes. I mean, <laughs> you guys you guys are an amazing team, and um and just I, I remember seeing you guys get the the pitch down right, and you guys were kind of paraded around a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and everyone said you were great, right? Mm-hmm. So what? It, what happened from that? Like, did did, did the, the 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 sea of money open up to help you guys get going? Or well, or? early on it did, mm-hmm. but ultimately, if I'm telling the truth, we just never hit on a business model that worked. Okay, you know, so there was, you know, we, you know, our product does a social good, mm-hmm. you know, and it actually so, you know, we achieved our goal in terms of. Like actually impacting kids, we still get stories from students and parents today mm-hmm. who like we either run into or hit us up and say like, right. "Hey, like I got into a life changing program. I right. found a life changing mentorship on, because on your of app, right? you guys' product." But we never, we could never find a actual payer, like a big enough market, you yeah. know. Um, and so we've still been, you know, we kind of. So to answer your question, we. Got a bunch of money up front, applied to a whole bunch of wait, pitch wait, competition. Wait. Are you okay with saying the amount of money? Yeah. Okay. Uh, it was a total, the total was like $50,000 from various pitch okay. competitions in the uh, city. Okay. Yeah. So, so, you know, in like, you know, like in the West Coast, Oh, that's nothing. When you, it's nothing. When, you, when you say it's a bunch of money, yeah, fifty thousand is like you know. But you gotta think two of months it. of operation. Yeah, think of <laughs> it this way: like for us, yeah, as like. The it's the context like this yeah. was our like was awesome. we were all educators right. like we were all college advisors and high school mentors so mm-hmm. this was our first exposure right. to entrepreneurship or business or anything like that and um so yeah fifty thousand was big we had no I no anchor no context to understand like w- the relative like relative right, amount yeah. you know right right yeah we have, we have an audience have a seat sir. Make stuff relax. You can't see it. We just had um, Barry Gordy Jr. just stepped in because he, he liked my voice and he heard about Miles, <laughs> and so he's in the back. We can't see him. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, um, um, let's let's talk about that. How did mm-hmm. so so um, again? That seemed like a lot in context. Fifty thousand or whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, to really get you guys going, did you guys ever estimate how much it would take for burn rate for like a year? Um. Like you get the app, get the money for yeah, advertising. Yeah, we did. The I mean, we had we have various estimates, various like financial what, models. What was that? What was like your big one? Um, for years. Uh, well, at one point we had like a 
three million dollar ask. Well, that was essentially like a million dollars a year mm-hmm. burn rate for us to actually be at scale, operating at yeah. what we wanted. But what we ended up actually the number that we ended up filling was uh, like solid, not mm-hmm. overreaching or anything. Was a half million. Okay, you okay. know. So so when you, when you guys when you guys are trying to find that business model, and you um and and, and you were trying to to raise more money. How did it oh, feel? It felt like we were running in circles. Yeah. It really did. Yeah. It felt like we were, and this is, you know, like we were, we, it's, and it's kind of like a, uh, it's different factors mm-hmm. to like this story, but, you know, we were talking to local mm-hmm. uh, funders, yeah. potential angels. Yeah. Um, everybody was telling us, like, well, if you were ju- if you could just do this, if yeah. you could just create this model, if you could just and there were different things, weren't they? The, it, it was all different yeah. things, and yeah. we were su- we were in such a, a mindset where, you know, we and I think this is what took us away from just actually focusing on all right what is the business model mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. as opposed instead of like focusing on that we're focusing on doing what potential funders and investors thought right. we should do right which then and then like so we would spend kind of months chasing the money chasing the money we would spend yeah. months yeah. and then they it would end up being no a right. no and then we'll be like well all right what now we would then just start yeah Chasing the next. Yeah, I just got a text know, earlier. I told yeah. you I got, it was a, it was kind of a no. Yeah. Although yeah. I don't, I'm not I'm not gonna let up. I'm not gonna let up yeah. on that. But so how did? But yeah, so that how was did, frustrating. That was really uh, like, you know, we had because like in entrepreneurship, you gotta have grit. You gotta believe. Yeah. Like believe in your vision. So we had that for a really long time. But after a while, it got really like frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what was like? Um, now let's talk about anxiety. What kind of anxiety did that bring on? Did you did, did it bring on a great deal of anxiety, or did you was or did you just say okay? Did you just accept it and kind of move on? Or well, the anxiety conversation is a little different. You know, it's a it's it's kind of like a backdrop, or it's mm-hmm. like couched. It's like two things that are co-occurring. So right. you know, I'll that each of like my each of my partners we right. all had to deal with our own version so like my particular form of anxiety was like i have like a a historical like a history of like just a very yeah. strong fear of rejection and that's right. personally that has yeah. nothing to do with entrepreneurship yeah. but of course mm-hmm. it shows up as i'm mm-hmm. a tr- trying to pursue like st- getting in front of people yeah. and pitching and uh, you know, I created all of these uh, things that if I could just uh, do this or be this, like I right. really wanted to be the CEO of my company. It ended up actually being the CEO of my company, but it was all coming from this place of anxiety and right. trying to prove something. Mm-hmm. You know, my another one of my partners had like the more successful we got, mm-hmm. the worse they felt. Like the more oh, wow. anxiety that was there, and that's like what when I was telling you earlier about imposter syndrome. Yeah, you know, like I don't deserve this. Like I don't deserve this amount of success. If people yeah. actually knew what, who I actually was, or what I did behind the scenes, yeah. not to say that it was like if people actually knew how I handled and managed myself behind the scenes, yes. they wouldn't think that I deserved this success. Right. Another one of my partners, the um, source of anxiety was kind of like. Well, am I good enough compared to my peers? Mm-hmm. 
you know, and right. kind of like a constant battle against yeah. being perceived as a loser. Yeah. You know, and yeah. all of that for each of us, they each came from like really early experiences yeah. in our like, let's, let's you know, there. family let's, let's of go origin. There. Let's, let's yeah, go there. Yeah. I can go first. I can go. I can get, I can get deep and wide. Oh, yeah, man. I'm a, I mean, as a life coach, this is like my life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. I know. I'll spill I know. the beans. I don't want to put like all my partner's business in oh, yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for me, you know, I had an experience. So for me, and this is kind of like my my spiel, right. um, when I talk about anxiety and talk about transformation and talk about doing the work, right. um, the quote-unquote work, um, right. I was a really happy kid, like really happy, really self-expressed. Most kids are, you know, when right. we're born, the world is our <laughs> oyster. Right. You know, every anything right. is possible. Dreams, imagination, candy, right. everything. Yes. <laughs> Um, when I was around the age of seven years old, so my dad was an alcoholic and a drunk, a drug addict. Um, my parents had adopted a girl who was my age. And by the time, like by the time she got to our household, she had been through a number of traumas. So it's like, she was already kind of like hardwired and a very, uh, just, you know, pyromania, compulsive lying, um, all types of stuff. Um, And so that kind of like sent it over the air. So basically, long story short, one day my dad left, left me and my younger brother at home, didn't come back. And I remember that moment like it was the, like that was uh, the glitch in the matrix for me. Right. You know, like that was a moment where shit kind of just, like my reality broke. And I said, oh, wait, everything isn't. adventures and fantasy like all of that stuff and I I remember I cried myself to sleep that night but the thing that kept replaying in my head was like well what first of all what did I do does does he not want me right did I do something wrong right you know and I kind of like internalized that Mm -hmm. didn't know that I internalized it but I carried that that fear concern like my dad left Mm -hmm. because I made a mistake I did something wrong and so he doesn't want me and the way that our our minds work, you know, those things become like generalized beliefs. Right. You know, they they bleed into they they become like part of our identity, our schemas for ourselves, right. our schemas for other people, our schemas for the world, and it's just embedded in our minds. Yeah. You know, and so uh, my reaction to that was, well, I have to make people want me. Yes. I automatically assume that I'm not wanted. I go into any, I, you, I, you know, I've done a lot of work to transcend or like transform this belief. But what's been so for me over time is like, well, I automatically assume that I'm not wanted. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have to make people want me. Yeah. Therefore, I have to be as likable as possible. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have to be as valuable and as useful as possible. I have yes. to be great. You know, and I really did. I developed a lot of strengths. Every place that I went to, I rose to the like, I was straight A student, rose to the top ranks of like, quote unquote, popularity or Mm -hmm. like um, status and different circles in like high school and college um, jobs that I worked at. I was a beast, you know, and created a lot of value wherever I went. But the funny thing is, and I'll have another story too. The funny thing is that over time, and this is why I say I didn't realize that it was anxiety because it started off as like me just being 
feeling kind of like weird and constrained in new social situations. Yes. You know, just kind of, a f- and I never knew why, you know, that's just, I just thought that's who I was. It was normal. But over time, I just started feeling like more and more and more. And w- the experience, mm-hmm. I didn't know it was anxiety. So I was, I remember, <laughs> so let me take a step back. I had this conversation with a friend. And I was in the middle of building my company, working full time Mm -hmm. as an administrator at a a Detroit high school and full time in a master's program for school. So I was like straight up 100 hour weeks. And I remember telling one of my friends we were at a bar and I'm like, yeah, I have this experience where. You know, as soon as I wake up, my shoulders and chest are, like, really, really tight. And I feel, like, wired for some reason and, like, fatigued, like, all the time. And she's like, it sounds like you have anxiety. And I'm like, me? No. (laughs) Because I'm in school. I'm in school learning how to give therapy to people, you know. Like, how can I have yes. anxiety, yes. you know? But that's what they, she was like, yeah, it sounds like anxiety. And I was like, okay, I might have anxiety. And I remember it really hit a, a turning point for me because, like, that was okay because I could blame the fact that I was working 100-hour weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this makes sense. It's situational. Mm-hmm. I'm working 100 hours a week. This is really stressful. It makes sense that I have anxiety. And I went on a vacation it was the most, one of the most beautiful vacations I've ever gone on. Visited one of my friends in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Drove up and down the coast between Portland and the Bay. Through Ooh. like, I was driving through like, you know, the Redwood Forest. Yeah, 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 yeah. Seeing the ocean. It was beautiful. Right. Like, I was listening to like an uh, audio book about vulnerability and having mm. all these deep <clears throat> conversations with my friend. And right. I was anxious the whole fucking time. Yeah, the whole time. The whole you couldn't, you couldn't enjoy it? I could not enjoy I've it. I've done that. She had, her parents had, oh. like, a house on the hill overlooking the whole bay. Oh, man. And I was just sitting on the back porch, like, why am I still anxious? Yeah. And that's when I knew it was a problem. Yeah. You know. Yes. And, and you were in paradise. I was in paradise, and I still felt that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, there were other, other events, like, through... Um, doing like a lot of transfer- transformational and self-work. There mm-hmm. were other events that I identified in my life that actually contributed to that mm-hmm. where like my internal conversation was like, okay, well, I have to make sure people want me. I have to make sure I'm creating. If actually, the way that my anxiety would manifest is like, do people want me? Is so-and-so mad at me? Do they like me? Did I make a mistake? Right. Uh, am I creating enough value? Right. Does my boss think I'm creating enough value? Am I being useful enough? Did I mess and up this, at work? And this all kind of uh, came from that, that night. No, multiple other events right, throughout okay. my life. Right. Um, uh, am I being like... Uh, was it? Oh, am I being disciplined enough? Right. Am I doing all the right things that I need to do to be the most successful that I want to be? Like all of these questions would just be swirling in the back of my head. I had no idea that they were actually there, mm-hmm. but those questions and the experiences that generated those questions yeah. was the the actual root. And once I saw that, I was free essentially. So you're yeah. you're saying that 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 one prolific moment that happened when you're younger, and then yep. all these events that happened afterwards just kind of kept adding 
for anxiety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. that, that formula was kind of set, or it was, hard, it was starting to set, yeah. Yep, yep, that was the root. That yeah. was the root. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll put myself on blast, too. Mm-hmm. I, um, I was, I'm still sensitive. I was a really sensitive kid, and um, I always... I always felt other people's feelings very strongly. Mm-hmm. So, like, when my dad wanted me to work for him, and I'm like, hey, dad, I don't want to, he <clears throat> kind of give me, like, a, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a guilty thing. I'm like, oh, you know, I'll, okay, I'll be over there. I'll be mm-hmm. over there, right? And then, like, uh, you know, every parent, uh, everybody's parents fight, right? Uh, and some, you know, it's 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 catastrophic. Our, mine, our, mine was not, but... There was there was a battle, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a constant battle, a constant like power struggle. And so I always felt that 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 stress between my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I always felt like I had to fix their problems. So mm-hmm. I would talk to them at like mm-hmm. age six. Yep. Until I don't know when I realized that was wrong. Yep. But it took many years to figure out that was wrong. I realized that was just their problem and I did not need to be pulled into it. And I pull, pull I got pulled in so much that you know, my mom would, um, she, you know, she'd want me to be on her side. and I remember, But I would logically come to my own conclusions, and she, and I wouldn't at times, and she would, she'd get, uh, she would be upset a bit, mm-hmm. and she would shun me. So shunning, so, so I always had this feeling of abandonment. Um, I think, for one, it's just, I, over, I overfelt people's feelings. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, when, I, when they're, when they're disappointed in me, whatever, and they kind of shut down on you, that, that gets to me, right? Mm-hmm. And then I had it happen, and it just it just felt so magnified, um, and it came from from family, and so I've always I've always been kind of I've been the cool kid in groups, you know, I wanted to get accepted and that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I see how the beauty in people and things amazing, and and it's always a love fest in the beginning, but whenever I see like the shunning or whatever, I start to like tiptoe away, and then yeah, I start I tiptoe away. I don't I don't like blast out of there. But after a while, people are like, oh, where did Aubrey, where did Aubrey go? And then after a while, they stop asking where Aubrey, Aubrey went. And then I come back. And, oh, hey, it's good to see you, right? You know, mm-hmm. I, but I've been here all along. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's been, you know, kind of a, a source. That's been like my, that's been my, my biggest problem is getting over that, getting over um, feeling inadequate, right? Yeah. Feeling like um, I, uh, uh, feeling abandonment. Right, and mm-hmm. in, in, in most mm-hmm. of it's in my head. Right, yep. it's all in my head. Mm-hmm. It's all in my head, uh, and I learned that from you. It's all, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what happens to you, right? I mean, things are, are traumatic that happen to people, right? Yep. And that's for legit. Real. Their feelings are legit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and their struggle is legit, but it's up to each individual to to what to to. Man. When you see when you see that that when you're able to see the problem, which is the which is work in itself, right? Yeah. Right? There's work you got to get to that problem. Yeah. But once you realize that that problem, what is it? I mean, ultimately what it comes down to, and this is like a, it's a, I'm given, it's like this is the result. Yeah. We, we, can, we like can take it back. We can take it back. We'll take it back. Yeah. Well, this we'll is what I'll say. Like, ultimately what it comes down to is like re- taking responsibility. Yeah. Is that, That's what... And that's the thing that people, like, that's a hard thing to do, especially, like, you know, when, you know, there have been situations in life that you feel has, like, you're a victim to. Yeah. You know, but ultimately what people discover is that, oh, well, yeah, that happened, and 
that is the past that happened and here I am right now I get to determine yeah you know what I'm gonna do about what I inherited because mm-hmm. you know like a lot of when it comes to mental illness especially in a black community yeah like and regardless for human beings period like emotional emotional charges mm-hmm. are intergenerational they get passed down from parent to child from yeah. parent to child so yeah. we inherit these things mm-hmm. like you can think of like the like just black families we're still inheriting yeah. a lot of the emotional trauma from back to slavery yeah. and before you know yeah. but it's like well once you realize that oh this is something i inherited i have a choice about what I'm gonna do with it, whether I'm gonna continue to relate to it mm-hmm. as something that's messing up my life mm-hmm. and that I can't escape or like, woe is me, or am I going to actually transform it or transmute it, you know, like turning lead into gold? Am I actually gonna take this experience and like make it into something that actually gives me strength? Yes. You know, and that gives me an advantage in life. Right. You know, so. Yeah, that but those that's blocks. what that's what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah, those blocks that are in our way. Yep. Right? That are that are that are real or yep. perceived. Yep. Right? Yep. Like racial bias or trauma from family mm-hmm. or um you know, some whatever challenge we're 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 born with or we inherit. Yeah. Yeah. So there so You have a choice. I remember because like the way that I responded when I realized that, oh, this is actually a real problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard, like, oh, my God. I, I One day I was with my, my grandmother, mm-hmm. and I was having a conversation with her and a few of my aunts and uncles. And, you know, my grandma, I've never had, like, that. We haven't had that many very vulnerable shares. You know, yeah. it's a big gap. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, one day, you know, I'm having this conversation, and she's just sitting there quiet. Everyone else is talking, and she just opens her mouth. It was like a coaching. I was, like, practicing coaching with my family. Mm-hmm. And she opens her mouth, and she says, you know, sometimes I just feel like I'm not wanted. And I'm <laughs> sitting there kind of awestruck because my grandma didn't raise me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have a, that strong of a relationship. But I'm like, Grandma, I have that exact same fear. Yeah. Like, I have that exact same feeling that I've been carrying around mm-hmm. with me. But so that's like. Did you uh, blame her? No, no not at all, man. Because of you, not Grandma. I understood. I Give me understood. some candy. I'm going to leave. No, I was kidding. I was kidding. I was kidding. Um, no. But what happened, what happened when I discovered that, oh, this actually, this anxiety is a real problem. Yeah. You know, we all have ways that we can. I could have said like, "Oh man, because of this, mm-hmm. I'm I can't do stuff," or because right. of this, Crippling. blah blah blah. I could have even said like, "This is something that I'm stuck with." Right. I could have said and just that. not go through it. Just I let have that to, block be in the way. I have to manage this for the rest of my life. But right. I was like, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> I was like, "I am going to." And to me, I'm very spiritual. I have a very strong relationship with God and the universe. Mm -hmm. So I said, like, I am going to, like, it was a prayer. I said, God, please help me. Mm -hmm. Please help me, like, break through this. Especially for me. And I guess, like, for me, because I'm a life coach, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, how can I help somebody else Mm -hmm. break through their shit if I can't break Break through through my own? own, You know, so that was, like... I made up my mind, mm-hmm. and that the actual that commitment is what mm-hmm. 
was the trigger or the causal mechanism and like what eventually turned into me actually breaking through it in a really profound way. Right. But it's like you have a choice in the matter. Right. You know. That but uh, it sounds like and I think you said this in some words that your own struggle you know, subconsciously realizes made you want to help others get through their struggle. Mhm. So that's your mm-hmm. strength. So your 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 weakness, your block became your tool, right? Yep. And it does. It yeah. still does. I'm. I'm. I was working on a, a money abundance prosperity block earlier today because mm-hmm. I realized I can't. I haven't been coaching people as powerfully as I could have around that. Right. And like, well, so then what do I do? Well, there's something here for me to work, like discover and right. work on. Like I must be blocked in some area. Yes. And I got to do that work to then right. help others get unblocked in that area. Right. Yeah, because yeah, you wouldn't know. Like you know, you wouldn't yeah, really. How, yeah. how would you? How, how would how would you be able to help somebody else if you couldn't recognize their problem? I mean, that's I think I think it's our greatest gift is our our, our biggest weaknesses can can be our big, biggest strengths, and especially for entrepreneurs because entrepreneurs are trying to create something, some widget or some service that's going to like make the whole world better. Yep. Right. And so so I think it's very important for entrepreneurs to be able to recognize. Their, their blocks that are in their way mm-hmm. because that block inspired them to create a bridge over it. Yeah. You know, and, and they, they have to recognize it yeah. uh, in order to, to get past it and, and, and be a healthier themselves and mm-hmm. then also a healthier entrepreneur too. But, you know, I'll also say that another way, same thread of thought, but mm-hmm. like all of our outer world is a reflection of our inner world, mm. you know. So like if you want to become a master of your outer world, your environment, your career, your relationships, Mm -hmm. like anything in life, you actually, the most powerful place to like work on is like your inner world, Mm. you know? You do the off, I have experienced this over and over again. Get that whatever that internal block is out the way and the, you know how they say like the universe will conspire. Open up uh, to like and, fulfill your dreams. If yeah. it happens, and I kid you not, sometimes I'm like flabbergasted. Yeah. It happens over and over again. Once yeah. myself or my clients yeah. like discover what that thing is and get mm-hmm. it out the way, then it's almost like a f a snowball effect in terms of like what the the rest of their life looks like. Right, right. Um. So, I um. So 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 I I know I know with me. One thing I had to accept was that, uh, you know, people say I was too sensitive or whatever. Mm-hmm. But because of that, I was aware of people. Because I'm aware of people, I, I interact very well with them. Yeah. Right off the bat. Just right off the bat, right? Yep. I'm best friends, like, in the first conversation. Right? Yeah. And um, podcast is a good business for you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank you. Um, and, I, and I love to solve other people's problems. Because, yeah. you know, um, you know, I, I guess I kind of did that as a child with my parents or whatever. I was. So yes, I'm trying. I'm trying. That's my block. I was trying to fix their problems, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, and so I love helping people figure out that aha moment. Oh yeah, or, it's or my favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. Or seeing yeah. or seeing being able to see themselves with, um, you know, seeing their true selves, you know, and and with with courage and not and not not fear. Yep. Like the, yep. the like the ugliness or the block that they have. Yep. So, you know, when it comes to entrepreneurs, um, when we tried to, like, hide that, 
you know. So that's the thing. We talk about that. We're going, we're going to imposter syndrome. I know I mentioned it earlier. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. fear that we don't deserve what we have, or we fear mm-hmm. that we're at a certain level and people are going to see that, oh, he's really yeah, not yeah. that good, or she's not that good. And black folks have that a lot. It's yeah. external. Like, externally, we're told we are not great. Mm-hmm. We are supposed to be low. We are, it's still reminiscent of that, um, that free labor thing that happened so long ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we still have not, you know, the, the, the view of us from outside is still low mm-hmm. to that degree, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, again, that's something we recognize and we, and as a block, and we can, we, can, we can either let it be in our way, which so many of us do, mm-hmm. or we can, we can bust and go through it, right, mm-hmm. or go around it and use that to make ourselves stronger. Yeah. So, but that imposter syndrome, I mean, it's it's hitting every which way. Yeah. You know, you were about to say something. I'm sorry. I, I cut you. Well, off. I, no, I was just gonna, you know, agree with you. It's like one of the biggest diseases mm-hmm. of humanity. Yeah. There's this video. So, you guys who are listening, if you're like watching on Facebook now, you can go to YouTube right now. I think it's called like the biggest disease. Go to YouTube after. Oh, yeah, exactly. after. <laughs> Whoopsie. Uh, <laughs> don't mess up the view count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All four of the people. There's a video called The Biggest Disease Affecting Humanity. It's by this woman. Um, her name is Marissa Pierce. She's mm-hmm. a world's world leading like hypnotherapist. Mm-hmm. And she has this talk and she, you know, she works with celebrities and like the high, like Olympic athletes. Like some of the highest performing people in the world. And she has, she discovered like at the end of the day, these people who are incredibly successful and still not happy, what's at the root of that? Yeah. They don't think that they're enough. Right. And that's actually at the root of everybody's imposter syndrome. Some version, either I'm not enough, I'm inadequate. Uh, I'm not something specific enough, smart enough, mm-hmm. uh, attractive enough, beautiful enough, something. Just mm-hmm. I'm not enough. So, like, you, th- those are, like, beliefs that those things are true in our heads. Yeah. Like, it's a true belief. It's a true fact mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm not enough, Maybe. right? Yep. So, any, and because that's a belief, then any evidence that says otherwise gets distorted. So, I, like, really, literally, people, we delete information or ignore information in our environment that doesn't match doesn't match our beliefs so anything i i was the one of the people like if people say that i'm great or i'm sweet or Mm -hmm. i'm like amazing yep no no not really like you know like you'll notice the the trend of like self-diminution yeah you know no big deal like it's not that special yeah oh okay I can accept that a little bit but I have all these other things over here that I still need to work on right so I was like so you delete or ignore information in your environment and you distort information Mm -hmm. like you distort your experience to fit your belief yeah you know and so you know everyone in some way shape or form the Mm -hmm. people people who have imposter syndrome oh so what I was saying was Mm -hmm. uh a person can win an award mm-hmm. that and be praised up and down, and the more they're praised, the worse they feel yeah, because right. that praise does not match their view, view of themselves. themselves right. Yes, which is I'm not enough. Right, you right. know, and so the work to do is to really get to the source of I'm not enough and right. pull it out, uproot it. Right, you know, that's so. So that's uh, so it seemed like. That's, it seems like there's always a simple answer to complex 
problems. Yeah. But oh you yeah. Got, but you got to do the work. Yeah. Uh-huh. To, to get there, mm-hmm. and you just said pull it up. Like I was, I was like picturing in my head, like my own uh, insecurities, um, and I imagined like pulling it out, and I just felt, I felt good when you said, it, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll pull it out, it's gone yeah. now. Yeah. And um, but but I, 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 you know, I think acknowledging it, right, mm-hmm. and and we got to keep acknowledging it's it. The first step. Yep, and then and then keep working on. Yep. on pulling up because our, our, our habits we're creatures of habit right yeah. and we're, we're entrepreneurs and we work 100 hours a week to make something happen mm-hmm. you're trying to bring that next you know, sliced bread invention out which by the way I discovered you don't actually have to that's another like oh. major discovery like the whole gospel of the grind gospel of the grind is that, yeah. a, is that a term I don't know you gonna quote maybe trademark it. <laughs> I'm trying to trademark white validation you can you can uh, trademark uh. that Yes. Like, you know, Gary Vanderchuk, yeah. Eric uh, Thomas, not Detroit Eric Thomas. Yeah. The, the other Eric Thomas. Um, the other, he's not as prolific as our Eric Thomas. This <laughs> uh, like the gospel of the grind. Gospel of the grind, You man. know, like TM. people was like, you have to, if you're not working harder than your competition at yeah. every moment of the day, yeah. then you're not doing it right. You right. know, I, I bought into that. Wait, we're going on a tangent, though. But I'll just keep going. That's okay, man. Um, uh yeah, like the myth of like putting in a hundred hour weeks to reach success is yeah. missing. What is missing is essentially, this is kind of like a higher level way of talking about it, but it's just missing strategy. It's missing like alignment with like who, because if you align your actual strengths with yeah. your actual passions with like the way that you work, Yes. You know, the way that you work best. Yeah. And in the I specific industry that you, that is like, that matches, then yeah. you actually can produce like 10 times the results, 10 times the impact, 10 times the value right. by actually doing half the work, mm. you know? Yes. So, so that's, so I, I too, I too subscribe to working hard because that's what my dad, my dad was a workaholic. Yep. And he and he made me um, uh, work for him. Like seriously, and I know I said this before. Age five, after kindergarten, every day, or was it three days a week? I don't remember. It was either three days a week or every day. Uh, I come home, and then I go next door because the office is next door. The office was next mm-hmm. door, mm-hmm. and I'd go and take out the garbage, and I sharpen all the pencils, and I clean off the uh, drafting boards. Mm-hmm. That was age five. Age seven, I was tracing. By age nine, I was doing floor plans and elevations mm-hmm. for stuff that was actually getting built. And so I always felt my dad's, I don't know, I don't know if I felt him or whatever. I think I did. Because he always, he always was, he never left work. He went home. And that, that was a big problem in, in his, in, in the marriage was that he was always at work. He was always yep. thinking about, even when he was home, which was next door. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So where was he most? He was always in the office. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And my mom said that he, during their wedding day, he, he was, the wedding was at the house. He was he was next door at the office. Yeah. So 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 I I, I I always felt like I had to work. I always feel like I have to work. I have to grind. Yeah. Because I, I saw him him grind. And he he was he became an architect when it was in you know, in the forties. Him and like one other black dude were the black, black architects. Black people didn't do that back then. Yeah, they yeah. he just ignored everybody and just did it. Mm-hmm. So I think that he he just felt like he always had to be on 
to make it happen. Well, you know what? There's this is actually now I'm saying I was like, wait, how did we get here? But there's a yeah. connection between imposter, imposter syndrome, syndrome. Yep. because well, if I'm not good enough, then yeah. what do I have to do mm-hmm. to like make it? Yes. You know, yes. so like we believe that we're not good enough yeah, and, we have in to order it. to save ourselves from that right. future of not being good enough. Then we have to like work our asses off to become good enough. Right. Then we so like some of the most successful people, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of it comes from that insecurity, mm-hmm. you know, like push, 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 push. And then maybe one day I'll be good enough. And yeah. then you get to one day you could whether or not you have the oh, results that, that you before. work for or yeah, not, not you're still not good enough yeah. nothing is ever gonna feel that whole yeah. nothing is ever gonna feel nothing external right is ever Thank gonna you. feel that external whole. Yeah. yeah right but we feel whole when we realize that we are enough yep that 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 we are validated by the fact that we exist yep that we are here we're yep. here for a reason yep it is up to us to figure that out yeah. And it's and we should not have anxiety about that because life is a journey and you you learn on your way on the way. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean that's maybe I sound like a, uh, a card or something, <laughs> a greeting card or something like that. Hallmark. Hallmark. Thank you. Like Hallmark, a Hallmark card. Hallmark. Yeah. <laughs> but that that took me and I, I got to say when I went to your your sessions, I I learned that. Mm-hmm. I, I might have pieced it together here and there, but you really did set it, you did say uh, set it up. Um, like a format to understand all those things. Yeah, understand that you know that that you know anxiety is noise. I love mm-hmm. I use that line all the time. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just noise. That was your brain just thinking. Yeah, right. Like doing just doing it. it. Yeah. So I, yeah. like we're doing a task and you're and you're thinking about whatever, but then your mind kind of drifts and it gets caught up in that noise. Mm-hmm. And that's all hypothetical. Mm-hmm. It's all not hypothetical. It's not real. Yeah. It's not real. And then yeah. we but when we think it's real. That causes our anxiety. React to it. Yeah. Physical reaction. Yeah. Yep. So, when it comes to entrepreneurs, uh, especially, um, well, all the stories we talk about, you know, again, I'm, 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 I'm familiar with uh, business from a sense as a child. I saw my dad run his own business. I saw it when he didn't take paychecks, right, and he paid other people. <clears throat> as, as black entrepreneurs, again, the blocks that come at us. Are, are probably are probably there are more. I'm mm-hmm. not saying probably there are more, mm-hmm. and um, but still we as humans need to deal with whatever blocks come our way, mm-hmm. and um, and then when it comes to feeling whole, it allow. I mean, you got to feel whole to be able to to get through them, to get past the blocks, yeah. get past the imposter syndrome, and and we have. We know we know that there is bias out there, right? And mm-hmm. I said this today, and I talked about this. And I really want to. We only got maybe about ten more minutes. Um, I was at a, a pitch competition, and um, I saw about they're all student uh, college students that were pitching, right? Um, there was about I think I saw ten pitches, and there was one black woman who was beautiful, and she did well, and her business uh, wasn't just an idea; it was an actual running business, and she showed how she could grow. Like mm-hmm. she's, it like just totally made logical sense. Yeah, you mentioned she had revenue. Yeah, she had um, revenue. Yeah, yeah, she had revenue. She's making money. Everybody else was talking like they're going to make. You know, like there was just an idea. They're you know they hope it'll make money, right? Mm-hmm. And then um and then there was this there was this white guy, that was kind of chubby, 
and he didn't wear a jacket. Now, everyone was suited up because it's a pitch competition. Mm-hmm. He didn't have a suit jacket, right? He looked like a typical engineer, right? Mm-hmm. And his, his idea, I don't remember what it was, and that's shame on me. Um, but it was, it was simple, and it was engineered, and it was amazing. And I was like, this guy has something. Neither one of them were in the top three. It was just, it was just du- white dudes with suits that were thin, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that were in the top three. Mm-hmm. No, I, take it, I think it was one white woman. They had a product that actually physically works. So that was pretty impressive. But they all, but even the, even the white woman was, you know, suited up, looking great, and thin, right. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the students was uh, from from Wayne State, and he was he was Yemenis, but mm-hmm. you know he he looked you know he he looked he looked he look, 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 almost like a, a white guy with a tan, right? Yeah. <laughs> so so I mean he did a great job, but I knew and I knew his flaw. I knew the flaws in their business. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I hope they don't ask this question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it just it just floored me, like especially with the with the with the uh, young lady, the uh, the black young lady, because she was making money. Yeah. And, and and just and, and so there's 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 biasness, there's biasness everywhere. And the reality is, you can't flip somebody else's switch. You can't you can't control somebody else to eliminate that bias. And the mm-hmm. system is biased, right? Mm-hmm. And the history yep. is biased, yep. right? And all these things are bi- they're, they're there. And yep. we could we could either we could you could we could choose to let it stop us, and let that noise get to us, right? It's still noise, like it's, it exists. It's real, right? Mm-hmm. It's real. Mm-hmm. Or we can use it to to and be resilient, as you said. Yeah. We can be resilient and 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 get past it. Mm-hmm. And my my opinion is that when it comes to, to black business owners, uh, um, again, you're not going to be able to flip a switch and make everyone say let's let's all be equal and give you your fair shake, right? Um, what you what you what you what you can do is recognize your own value, work on that, letting go of that imposter syndrome, uh, getting past those blocks. And and rec- and recognize that value, and find people that recognize that value. So some yeah. customers you might try to fight really hard for, like when you try to do all those things that those those people told you to do. They were your mentors and stuff, and they said to get you get you you know they could probably get money this way, and you usually get a no. Mm-hmm. It's finding those people that value you, all right? That value what you have to offer. Yeah. Because if you're chasing after people that don't value what you have to offer, you always feel like crap. You always feel you, that'll contribute to you not mm-hmm. feeling good enough as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. The secret is that there is another path that you can't see from where you are currently standing. Yeah. And that's what I discovered for myself. But so like what I'm the thing that I'm thinking of is this story. Um, is there's this woman who is walking she's walking through a desert mm-hmm. so like she's on this adventure this journey and you know she comes across you know she's walking sweltering heat the air looks all wavy mm-hmm. like yep. how air looks in deserts yep, yep, on the road <laughs> wavy air yep. um and you know she, off in a distance she sees something coiled up on the ground and immediately she's like, oh, snap, that's a snake. And um, as soon as she sees it, you know, it's survival mode. So her body, everything is, like, immediately tense. Mm-hmm. She's looking for a stick. She's, like, trying to muster all of this courage. Like, I need courage. I need to, like, be on my P's and Q's. I need to do all of these things so mm-hmm. I can get past this snake. Mm-hmm. And so she musters this courage. She finds a stick. She takes a few a few more steps forward. And all of a sudden, like, something in her perspective shifts. And she realizes, like, oh, wait, that's not a snake. 
That's actually just a rope that somebody left. And when she sees that, like, nothing else has to change. Immediately, like, she no longer needs courage. Right. She no longer needs a big stick. She no longer needs, like, she's no longer in survival mode. The fear dissipates. And she says, oh, well, all I have to do is, like, take this step. And it's it's gone. And so, like, what that's the analogy for, like, how whether you're, like, an entrepreneur of color, whether you're a one-man entrepreneur, like, whether you're not an entrepreneur and, like, you're just dealing with life, Mm -hmm. you know, like, we, the way that we typically relate to the obstacles that we're facing out in life Mm -hmm. is, like, like, where those obstacles are often a rope disguised as a snake. Right. You know, we think that it's a real threat. We think it's a real danger. But when you do the work to, like, shift your perspective, you realize, like, oh, I can just take this step over here and be where I want. Right. You know, be who I want, do what I want. There's no actual block or obstacle there. So, like, that's the, you know, that's the power of essentially like uh, doing transformational work in particular in particular which is slightly different from like therapy Mm -hmm. you know therapy is important as well because it helps you people we need to process right you know because a lot of time (coughs) depression anxiety you know a lot of that is like just unprocessed Mm -hmm. experiences that we're resisting that we haven't made peace with that we're carrying around is like very real baggage so you got to do the processing first so that you can get to a place where you can actually do transformational work yeah you know of turning the snakes back into ropes yeah <laughs> I, I i totally agree with that I, yeah. I i personally myself i think that um uh that um you know doing that transformational work uh you helped me out a lot mm-hmm. um and i know that that there's some things i still need to work through mm-hmm. that that require therapy mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. and everybody should if they can't if they can't work through that process, if they can't handle what's going on inside of them, mm-hmm. that do not be afraid to get therapy. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't. I don't know any resources off the cuff, but I don't have any therapeutic resources off the cuff. Yeah, um, but I will like just say another thing about therapy. Ultimately. You know, because a lot of people, you might you may try a couple therapists and feel like it doesn't work or yeah. like I don't really like this person. But ultimately, this is what you the the one of the primary values of therapy is that you you find somebody who can listen to you with a sense of unconditional positive regard. The mo- the biggest thing about therapy is the relationship that you have with the therapist, mm-hmm. that you feel safe and like pouring out your heart. Okay. And once once you can do that, regardless of the therapeutic approach, they like they've done studies where like people have different approaches, like mm-hmm. whether it's cognitive or emotional based or whatever. Right, right. Like the Eighty percent of the change that happens in therapy is based on the relationship that you have with your therapist. You said unconditional, unconditional positive regard, and that means what? what does it that means mean? like you feel like no matter what you say to that therapist, they are gonna regard you positively. Be in your corner. Be in your corner. They not. Okay. They aren't gonna judge you. They're, right. They'll still experience you with like a love and acceptance. You okay. know. And so, like for people who you know are pursuing therapy that's like something that's that relationship is probably the most important thing mm-hmm. you know yeah okay yeah I had a therapist once and he was probably probably needed a life coach at that time because I was very 
aware of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and um, he would sit there and drink his big gulp. And I would ask him for like tools to help you know get through the pro you know go through the process. Mm-hmm. And he just he's good at listening, but you know he just wasn't there all the way. Yeah. And I noticed that, and yeah. I left. Yeah. I left. You know, I yeah. left him and his big gulp. Yeah. <laughs> so I just remember him just yeah. you making that noise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah. just listen. He didn't really. Yeah. But he he's kind of checked out. So. Um, what I want to what I want to do is is um, you know um, now I get in this this episode we really wanted to emphasize mental health we want to emphasize emphasize that you know whatever problems that you have uh, you're not alone yep and and that we all going through it yeah mm-hmm. and that um, and there are ways to 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 deal with them. You know, and and, and, and and at times to get, you know, you need help at times. Yep. Um, you need to share. Uh, don't be afraid to share. Like for me personally, my, so <clears throat> my being overly sensitive, uh, that's the wrong word, being very sensitive. Very attuned. Very attuned. Yeah. Sensitive is not a bad word. I'm, yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm 44. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Right. When I was 20 something, I might have cared about that. Yeah. But um, I'm sensitive. Yeah. So, so, um, I kind of lost the thought there. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> but still, you were you were saying like uh, how just sharing how important. Oh yeah. So and, so my yeah. strength, like what I find strength in, is being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's just being mm-hmm. like just this is me. Yeah. Another plug like, for a book, Brene Brown, The Power of Vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. That, she taught that book is all about how the thing that that defeats us is the fear yeah. that's that's on the other side of vulnerability. Once you put yourself out there, right. there's nothing left to protect or be afraid of. You can like that doesn't mean everything is always gonna go right. the way you want, but you have like this sense of strength right. because you are being who you are. You can actually stand up right. and and the face of whatever you're facing mm-hmm. versus like preventing trying doing all of these take all of these maneuvers to like to not look to not look bad right you yeah know? yes yeah. <laughs> we, we do that a lot especially, especially a lot of yeah. black entrepreneurs I know tr- focus on trying to look good mm-hmm. I think we talked about that I used to yeah I was Maybe. really woo boy oh boy I was out here trying to look good yeah like trying to be the man right yeah yeah man I dropped that I always look good it was funny like once you stop trying to look good then you can actually like like people you can actually be mm-hmm. and people admire that so right. much more it's not yeah. about admiration but people connect to yep. it people yep. resonate it's with it it's a good example so much more right yeah. and that can help people too yep. and especially yep. in the business of helping people as a life coach or or a, a coach for business um that's important mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and and if you're and if you're you don't necessarily have to be an extrovert, but if I mean, if you got that gift, if that, if you're, if you take your weakness or your, your, uh, yeah, your vulnerability, or whatever, mm-hmm. and make that a strength, mm-hmm. that helps others. Yeah, do I'm the an same. introvert. You are? Did you know that? So, no. Yes, you told me. Okay, I knew it because you told me. Spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, uh, I don't. Someone told me I'm an introvert. I don't. I don't know how. I don't, I don't know. They how. read you wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they read, they read you wrong. But um, um, I do want to give some shout outs. So, so how can how can people find out more about Mind Blown Life Coaching? Oh man, so my website. So first the album's one, dropping. <laughs> the album's <laughs> dropping. Check out my mixtape. Um, 
so first and foremost, I offer free uh, introductory transformational conversations. No, absolutely no strings attached. I sit down, spend two hours with you, and you just, you know, you share with me what's going on, and I listen, and I promise that you will have some type of life-changing discovery in that conversation. I'm a testimony. Yeah, <laughs> I'm testifying. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Um, in May, I'm also starting the third cohort of my transformational group coaching program. Um, it's called oh. the 10X program, and it's literally it's an opportunity for you to identify and transform, mm -hmm. transmute, clear out, obliterate, transcend, whatever you want to call it. It's an opportunity for you to discover your shit, mm -hmm. get it out of the way, yes. and then actually the experience firsthand was on the other side of that, which is oftentimes... You know, 10 times more effectiveness, 10 times more value, 10 times more impact. My favorite, favorite thing is like just 10 times more peace of mind, satisfaction and happiness. Right. It's very attainable. It's, it's oftentimes on, right on the other side of like one mm -hmm. discovery. Like you said earlier, mm -hmm. like it, it's weird how it can be so simple. Yes. My clients sometimes get mad at me because they're like, why is it so simple? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. But, yeah, so either of those offerings, like, if you're interested at all, I would love – my favorite thing is, like, transformation, making a difference for people. Right. Um, so you can find – my website is mindblown.life. Mindblown.life. Mind Not .com. Yes. Mindblown.life. Yes. Yep, Not .com. <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah. Also, also um, we'll have this podcast – uh, it'll be on my, my Facebook page. Um, I'll post it other places. You can share it as well. Yep, I um, definitely will. And then also we'll have the podcast on podbean.com. I'm going to put. I'm gonna publish both the first episode with Eric Thomas and this second episode with the great Miles Morgan uh, probably in, the, uh, in in two days. And it'll be on Google and it'll Play and on the – I'm not an uh, iPhone user. What's it called? The the Apple people the Apple people's um, uh, podcast thing yes that thing I'm gonna trademark that too no, I'm just kidding uh, but thanks I appreciate it Miles for being here man thank you for having me yes yeah, and yeah. And, I, and I and another question I, I was thinking uh, the cohort because the cohort is group does that mean it's cheaper it actually is it's oh hallelujah than my, um individual hallelujah okay I'm a, is there still room because I need oh yeah I I haven't I actually was let just, me sign up first yeah I just opened up my the recruitment I sent the page live this past weekend so okay. if you go there you can actually register now okay. um yeah all right yeah everything right, you if May. you want to learn more everything is on the that website all the details and mind everything. blown dot life yep yes and uh check out antigravitydetroit.com. Oh, that's my business, but it's also the name of this podcast. We'll, we'll be posting the podcast there as well. Uh, if you're interested in getting consultation for businesses, my actually my 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 format's the same. The yeah. first meeting is free, yep, and uh, sometimes the second depends on what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, but I I want to help people get pointed in the right direction. Period. Yeah, in, in the first meeting, like yep. like I met somebody the other day. I said you just need to talk to your accountant and get some some projections done by them. You don't mm -hmm. need me. You don't need to talk to me at mm -hmm. time unless you mm -hmm. really want to. You yep. figure out what that looks like. Yep. So, um, yeah. So yeah. thank you. And we just again we tell stories of black business, uh, the triumphs and challenges, and we get real. Uh, but these are universal stories. Universal. We all know that that at the heart of it all, we're humans. Yeah. And we and we we got to be real about what we have to face. Yeah. 
so that we can we can find our purpose and get past those blocks. So thank you, Miles. You're welcome. All right. All right. Ryan, thank you, sir. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>